This is Writing Excuses, episode, season two, episode 13, Violence. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we want to kill you. <laughs> I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. Okay, Violence. Um, we need to do a podcast on this. I think it's important. I think we want to talk about it. And you know what? We need to We're do a podcast really on writing violence. Yeah, writing violence. Oh, oh. Let's be clear on this. Okay. Um, no, we all, all three of us, include what I would think is surprising level of violence to some people who read our works. Um, I know I've received emails sometimes where people say, wow, I was a little bit surprised, a little bit shocked. I'm not writing mm -hmm. books to just surprise and shock people, but there are things I include, which I, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, you are. You're writing about a, a teenage serial killer. You write, Howard, about a group of mercenary thugs. <laughs> Paid to hurt people and break things. Yeah. So why violence? Why do you use violence in your stories, Howard? Um, violence is one of the one of the ultimate shaping forces of human culture, and to not write about it is dishonest. To write about it in such a way that it's funny is potentially <laughs> dangerous. And so I'm walking this weird moral line that uh, I I love this dance. This okay. is a good time. <laughs> okay. You know I. Uh... I, I, I find myself thinking about the weird moral lines as well when I, when I use violence in my books because one of the reasons I think people have, have said my books are too violent is because, or have a lot of violence in them, is because I try to portray it as realistically as I can. I don't want this to be a slasher horror. I would like it to, you know, actually deal with the consequences of hitting someone in the face. Okay. And that is not something that happens a lot, mm -hmm. you know? There's usually not a lot of consequences to violence well, in, in movies genre and, fiction. and genre fiction. Yeah. And so it's, it's very disturbing to some people to see those consequences. Um, the, the scene that um, sometimes bothers people of mine is also in uh, Mistborn 2. We talked about this book last week, but there's a scene where one of the char characters um, assaults a, um, a fortified position of um, an opposing army and goes to town on them. Um, yeah, that was a great scene. <laughs> um, she has been kind of under the influence of someone else who's um, more aggressive and more violent and has convinced her that this is the, the only way to protect those whom she loves. And so she just lets loose. Um, and this scene, this scene... And her taking that path shaped yeah. her. Right. It, I don't think you could have written the book without that well, scene. I'll tell you where this scene came from. This scene came from watching The Matrix um, and being bothered by the fact that there were no consequences. Um, mm -hmm. The best scene in that movie is a scene where the heroes are mowing down innocent um, guards. Just guys who are just there doing their job. The good guys are getting mowed down by these anarchists who are the protagonists, um, but just a huge killing spree, and it's beautiful. And the reason that that scene bothered me so much was because of the beauty of it and the lack of consequences. It was beautiful and ultimately inconsequential. Those characters right. went through that and remained completely unchanged. Unchanged, mm -hmm. yeah. And they, you know, there are lots of arguments for they didn't need to even go that direction. I mean, it was it was there in the movie simply to show the good guys being bad and doing you know bad in the bad being cool being bad awesome a, yeah. and killing lots of people um and that scene really bothered me particularly because of the effect it had on me that i wanted to watch that scene over and over again 
that's what bothered me. And so <laughs> that bothers me. Yeah, <laughs> I um, well, because of the beauty of the choreography. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I wanted to put a scene in one of my books where I said, no, this isn't what happens. Um, if you go through with something like this, if you were a programmer up until a few days ago and you went and did something like this, um, you would not uh, have the, the ramifications, that the lack of them is portrayed in the movie. You were talking about this, Dan. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, one, one of the books, one of the horror books that, uh, that I've read recently and loved thoroughly was Doppelganger. Yeah. And um, I there, loved that. There are that. two books named Doppelganger. Can you remember the oh, I can't remember the title. Okay. It's a, the about a high school kid. Yeah, I can't remember the author. Anyway, it's a wonderful book about what it's like to be a monster in our society. And it deals with a lot of different themes like we talked about last week. But there's a part at the end, uh, this, this uh, monster ends up in a family with an abusive father, and he solves this problem by beating up the father. And that just drove me crazy, exactly like you're talking about, because you, you can't solve violence with violence. It does not work. It has never worked. And it worked in this book, and that bothered me. I, I, and that actually, thinking about that became my entire second book of my trilogy was... Let's deal with the consequences of trying to solve violence with violence. Let's see what it will do to you when you go down that road. Yeah. That's where the whole second book came from. So is there a limit? Where do you draw your line? How do you know, Howard, when you've gone too far? Or do you, do you even worry about that? Uh, no, I, I definitely worry about it because I'm, I'm trying... <laughs> on the one hand, I'm trying not to unnecessarily glorify violence. On the other hand... I'm trying to depict what uh, I like to refer to as mayhem. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when Schlock uh, fires his plasma cannon and, and blows stuff up. Yeah. We, the fans love to read that. I love to draw it. It's the best it. parts it's, of the, of those the are comic. Some of the best parts of the story. And I need to find ways, as I'm writing this, to either justify it as a, you know, as a, as a righteous kill right. or to say, no, this wasn't clean, and, and there's, there, there are going to be consequences that are problematic. And this latest book, um, so we, we talked about theme last week, and the, the Schlock Mercenary book I'm working on right now kind of has that as a theme that I, I haven't broached before in the comic, which okay. is that sometimes violence is going to have consequences, even for a group of professionals who... Everybody accepts. They're, they do this. They're paid to do this. They're supposed to do this, but they're, they're going to get sued. And okay. there's civilian casualties, mm -hmm. and there's moral yeah. quandaries. So and um, we all seem to be on the same wavelength with this. Let's, um, let's go ahead and uh, give manufacture, the other Manufacture no, a dissenting, dissenting <laughs> no, viewpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think when, in our theme one, we said we had to approach things from all viewpoints. Is there something to be said for the stormtrooper concept? The... Um, I remember one of the, the old uh, RPGs for Star Wars said to the GM, don't make your characters think about the poor Stormtrooper's family. Don't make them worry that they're creating. This will ruin the, the enjoyment of the game. This is Star Wars. They are faceless bad guys. Um, is there something to be said for that? Um, letting, or is that just a completely immoral position? Um, it is a... Let me back up just a little bit. I've done a bunch of research on violence. Mm -hmm. I've read uh, On Killing by Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, the uh, Tribes article by, uh, I can't remember his name, um, but uh, it, and both of these talk about 
the fact that there is a small group of people in our population, mm -hmm. between two and a half and five percent, who can, with no compunction, take another human life. Mm -hmm. And these people end up either as sociopaths and in prison, or they end up protecting us. Mm -hmm. They're the they are the wolves and the sheepdogs, and most of the rest of us are sheep. And as sheep, we're scared of anything that's got teeth, whether it's a wolf or a sheepdog. We fear the police officer and we fear the gangsta. Mm -hmm. And that's nice accent, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I've been working hard on <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Um, it's very, very telling in my writing because I try and play up the heroism of the sheepdogs. Right. And I try and play up the villainy of the wolves. Mm -hmm. But I understand that those people come from the same mindset, and it's a very real mindset. Okay. Was that a dissenting viewpoint? I don't know. I don't know. Dan, it was interesting. Dan, do you have anything to say on this? I mean, is, is, is there um, something to be said for this, or? You know, there, I think there is. Um, and I, I don't think, I, there, there's definitely some people who are going to disagree, but I think that there is a place for, you know, a Jackie Chan ladder fight where he hits 17 yes, people in a row with a ladder. Sure, he doesn't kill anyone, but that's mm -hmm. not going yeah. to soothe the troubled mind of a mother whose son hits someone with a ladder. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's very cool to watch that. It's, it's fun to play first-person shooters. It's yeah. fun to watch the stormtroopers go down. Um, not because you want them to go down, but because they represent um, a triumph on the part of the hero. Okay. Well, when you talk about uh, when you talk about making them faceless, what you're really talking about is dehumanizing or demonizing the enemy, and that's mm -hmm. something that we do in video games. It's something we do in fiction. It's, it's something that we do in real life. The reason why um, Lucas changed from stormtroopers to robots. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this may have bothered him, um, and you know we can enjoy it much more when the lightsabers are chopping off the heads of robots who all look exactly identical. And, you know, Roger, Roger. Rod, yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> um, but you're right that we do this. I mean, you have well, you look and at any you have civilization to do it. at war. You have to do it because when you are at war, your civilization, in many cases, your homes and family, uh, whether if you're fighting a war of defense, just as much as if you're yeah. playing conquistador, you have to demonize the enemy at least long enough for your soldiers to get their job done. And then, and this is the part that mm -hmm. a good writer will focus on, then you have to let those soldiers come home and work through this because some of them are going to be grieving over the lives that they have taken in the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we never did, let's say, get back to this. Uh, Dan, where's your line? How do you know when you've reached it? Have you ever reached it? Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Mm -hmm. um, I... Uh, I, I've noticed something very interesting as I have had people read my books. I'm, ha I'm almost done with three now, but yeah. people have read one and read two. Book one, in my opinion, is far bloodier. It is far mm -hmm. gorier. There's more violence in it. Book two creeps people out way more. They find it far more disturbing. And they think of it as a more violent book, even though it's not. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because it's a different kind of violence. It is portrayed in the a different way. The readers want to know how you did that. Um, book two focuses much more on um, planned, meticulous violence. Okay. Focuses on okay, torture rather than on um, spur of the moment. I have to kill this person because I will die otherwise. So there is suspense. 
You know, it's when the yes. doctor, it's, 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 the, it, it's, it's the shot you weren't expecting versus the shot where the doctor says, now you're going to feel a little pinch. Well, specifically, Actually, this is hurt in my a lot. book too, it's the doctor saying, I don't have to give you this shot, but it makes me laugh when I do. And then he gives it to you. Um, All right. Yeah, this is something we haven't brought up yet, uh, but I think it's very important. There is violence. If there is no violence in the book, it is hard to maintain tension and suspense um, or suspense is the wrong word but, word, but we use violence to raise the stakes in a lot of our stories. We use violence to raise the stakes because those are the kinds of stakes we're dealing with. Yeah. In romance, you use you know, right. breaking up or adultery or pregnancy right. to raise the stakes. Right, right. Um, and, but it's everyone fears being hurt. Well, yeah. almost everybody fears being hurt and fears dying. These are things that are universal and they work very well as emotional motivations for characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't answered my own question, so, so perhaps I should. Have I hit the line? Um, I think I probably have, honestly, with the Mistborn books. Um, in that scene in book two? In that scene in book two, I would say I've hit the line. Maybe I'll change my line that was on. That felt like a line mm -hmm. in terms of volume. Right. In terms of glorifying it, yeah. the moment where she did the, uh, the anime super jump oh, yeah, with yeah. the sword. I'm talking, yeah, <laughs> the entire book two, though. Um, we also have Ellen beheading yeah. somebody in cold blood. Um, that was book played, three, wasn't that was, it? That was book two, playing executioner and judge on one of his old friends and, ex, and beheading That's him. right. Um, the, the, the book two did deal with violence as a theme, um, and I think that's overall, the whole book was a line for me. Um, I, I backed off from it a little in book three, um, and then I wrote Warbreaker and backed off a whole lot. Um, <laughs> Will I approach these things again? Maybe I will. I probably will. Um, will mm -hmm. I go further? I don't know. Um, it depends on what's important for the book. Um, That's a, it's an interesting yeah. thought because I, the, the line that I try to draw away from is, am I glorifying violence right. to the point that people are going to want to emulate this in the wrong sorts of ways? I, I love to see people join police forces, you know, join the military and you know, want to serve and do good things. I don't want to be responsible for breeding a generation of killers. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Howard said something earlier when he talked about glorifying violence, and that, I, I, again, I cannot place any of my quotes, but there's a rather famous uh, movie director who said that it's impossible to make a war movie that does not glorify war, because the mere act of looking at it makes it sensational to us. And so I think in many ways, regardless of how we use violence, there's always going to be that kind of eager, visceral response in the reader. Which means you always have to come back from it and say, mm -hmm. and here is the consequence. Yeah, I think yeah. morality is more about consequences than it is about what you depict or choose not to depict. Certainly. Though, I mean, there, there are arguments to be made for the classic war movies where they aren't showing as much violence, um, where the, the directors are stepping away from that and it actually makes the films very strong. But, you know, Saving Private Ryan is a very strong film. Um, and I don't think he could have achieved what he did without trying to depict it. And there are guys yeah. who are on Utah Beach yeah. who saw that film and asked themselves, why would anybody depict that? Yeah. They had a hard time watching it. Mm -hmm. So, so I, we'll just bat this back at the readers. This is going to be a personal thing for you guys to decide. Um, whether you know you deal with consequences, how much violence you have in your books, I think it's something you need to think about because one thing I think a lot of readers don't understand, or writers don't understand, is once you get published, that's locked in stone, and people that represents you, um, and people will call you on it. Mm -hmm. 
And on that downer of a note, writing prompt. <laughs> Howard, violence is your specialty. Give us a writing prompt. Okay, write, ha have, have some fun in the worst possible way. Write an extremely violent sequence that really glorifies the violence, and then write the consequences. Moralize it afterwards, and force yourself to walk that path. Okay. This has been Writing Excuses. We're Thanks so, so yeah. sorry. Please, please don't shoot us. <laughs> Actually, please or don't anything shoot anyone else, else or bl and blame us. Blame Howard. It's okay if you blame no, Howard. He no. makes it funny. What? We're blame Jordo. Like 16 we all blame minutes Jordo and 30 seconds. Stop talking. <laughs> You've been listening to Writing Excuses, and it is very safe for kids. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.